Chapter 29 Back at the tower, Joanna reviewed the information about monkshood for the hundredth time until the words blurred before her eyes. She glanced at the root she had washed. What if it wasn't a monkshood root? What if she made a tincture from a root even more poisonous than monkshood? She might kill Aiden outright, without allowing him the chance to escape. She would never be able to live with herself if that happened. Joanna sighed. What do you think, Eva? Should I try, even if I'm not sure? Eva didn't answer. Joanna looked over her shoulder and saw Eva sprawled face down on her pallet, one arm outstretched to the teacup that was never far from her hand these days. Joanna frowned and closed the plant guide. She could draw only one conclusion from the past hour. Her ignorance could kill Aiden. She needed more information before she proceeded. It was as simple as that. She needed to learn how to mix a proper tincture. Surely, a doctor would have a reference book that contained the information she required. And there was only one doctor in Londo City, Gabriel Stone. No matter how she felt about Gabriel, she knew she must ask him for assistance. Gabriel. The mere thought of him sent a bolt of longing piercing through her. She gasped at the force of the sensation. Only a day had gone by since he had revealed that he was a vampire, and already his absence ached like a wound that would never heal. Seeing him again and keeping him at arm's length would be difficult, torture even. But Gabriel was the only one who could help. She hoped he was at the clinic, working late as usual. Joanna used a cloth to push the root into a jar. Then she grabbed her cloak and headed for the clinic on Chesterfield Lane. Angela Beach pressed against the wall beside the drawing room door of the clinic where she couldn't be seen by the man pounding on the piano. She closed her eyes and let the hammering music vibrate through her feet, hips, and shoulder blades and swirled to the secret place inside her that she tried so hard to ignore. Sometimes, when Dr. Stone played his piano, she would stand for hours in the shadows, listening. Music was forbidden in Londo City. She could see why. It could transport her to a different plane, far from her drab life, out of her body, and into a beautiful world she would never experience in real life. Often, when he played his sweet, more melodic pieces, she would fantasize about the day she would walk up behind him and throw her arms around him. The thought of touching Gabriel, caressing him, and pulling his burnished, wavy hair to her breasts made her chest tighten and her quim flood with dew. No matter how often Angela had fantasized about such a scenario, she had never stepped forward. She couldn't dare to be so bold. Dr. Stone had never indicated that he was attracted to her. He was too much of a gentleman to broach protocol, especially with an employee. Still, they shared so much of each other's lives, working such long hours at the clinic together. Why couldn't they share more? 
Anyone could tell the man was lonely, especially tonight. He had stormed into the clinic, waved her off, and sat down at the piano to play every raging, pounding piece of music in his repertoire. He needed comfort. Angela took a step toward the drawing room doorway, but thought better of it and sank back to the wall. What if she caressed Gabriel as she ached to caress him? And he rejected her. She would never be able to look him in the eye. She would have to find another job. Worse, the wonderful fantasy life starring Dr. Gabriel Stone would be over, never to be replayed again. The delicious daydreams that made coming to work a pleasure would end, and the future, as a rosy possibility, however slight, would be totally crushed. One false move, and it would all be over. She couldn't take the chance. Her Dr. Stone fantasy was all she had, all she lived for. She closed her eyes and remained pressed to the wall, her heart thumping in agonized harmony to the keys he struck. A block from the clinic, Joanna heard wild music being played on a piano. Gabriel's cook had mentioned that the doctor was an accomplished musician, but this was the first time she had ever heard him play. The sound coursed through her, revealing the passion Gabriel possessed, but didn't often display. She had guessed that about him, that he hid many facets of his personality. She had seen hints of such depth in his eyes. When he looked at her, and forgot to cover his thoughts with his boyish smile. Joanna opened the door of the clinic, surprised to find the door unlocked and the waiting room deserted. She'd expected Citizen Beach to jump to her feet and demand that Joanna leave at once. But the secretary was nowhere to be seen. Perhaps she didn't appreciate the music thundering through the building and had left for the day. Joanna pulled out her father's pocket watch and glanced at the time. 5 p.m. She had two hours to make the tincture and get to the central compound at 7 o'clock. She stuffed the watch into the pocket of her shirtwaist and hurried toward Gabriel's office. If she was lucky, she could search Gabriel's library without having to talk to the man. It would be best that way. Not what her heart wanted, but better in the long run. She let herself into Gabriel's office and left the door ajar so she could hear if anyone approached. Then she stood in front of his bookshelves, hands clasped behind her back, and scanned the titles. She turned her attention to figuring out how Gabriel had arranged his medical books so she could find the category she searched for. The task was daunting, as he possessed hundreds of texts. She concentrated feeling her vampire self focus her thoughts into a razor-sharp blade. Soon, she didn't even hear the music. Joanna? Jonah whipped around, caught in the act of trespassing. She hadn't heard the music stop. She hadn't heard a single footstep in the hall. She hadn't even noticed that Gabriel had closed the door. He stood leaning on it now, his hand on the latch. His hair was wet with sweat. His mouth was grim. He looked terrible. Whatever are you doing? She flushed, 
embarrassed that she had invaded his office and appeared to be snooping. But even more, she felt color flooding her cheeks because her heart leapt at seeing the man, even in his present state of emotional torment. I, I'm, I'm looking for something, obviously. A book. She waved at the shelf behind her. I didn't think you'd mind if I borrowed one. For a couple of days? What kind of book? He tilted his head. His eyes glinted. He was happy to see her, but in a muted kind of way. Darkness surrounded him. Something troubled him to his core. She guessed she might be the cause of his torment, or at least be part of it. Still, she couldn't drag her gaze off him. A reference book, one on mixing tinctures. He pulled away from the door. And what reason do you have for making tinctures? Practicing with my plant guide. At this time of day, one more hour and you will be violating the curfew. I can get back in time. He crossed his arms and studied her. You are lying. I can. I can run like the wind now. I'm referring to the tincture making. She sighed and blinked, amazed that he could read her so well. She turned to hide her expression. You are lying to me, aren't you, Joanna? Yes. What do you need a tincture for? Eva? She shook her head. She sensed Gabriel coming up behind her. He grasped her elbow and gently turned her to face him. Tell me. If I tell you, you will report me. I would never report you, Joanna. He clasped both of her upper arms in his hands. Never. She glanced up at him, looking for truth in his eyes. He stared down at her with such an earnest expression that it made her knees tremble. She couldn't guess at the depths this man possessed, only that they must be vast. Hearing him play the piano made her realize that Gabriel's stone was fashioned of layer upon layer of hidden passions. How she wanted to peel back each and every one and learn what this man was all about. She felt herself being lured into his spell. She tumbled into his intense navy eyes and lost all sense of the world around her. She was running in that meadow again, that luscious green meadow with the warm, high grass. She heard happy laughter wafting on the breeze. Her heart lifted. So light, so warm, so gloriously joyful, she could have it. It was hers for the taking. And she felt his lips touch hers. His mouth was not as cold as she remembered. In fact, she felt no chill whatsoever. What had changed? Her? Was she becoming more and more a vampire? Joanna let her head fall back and surrender. Loving the way his mouth seemed to understand the things she never said out loud. It's all right, his kiss seemed to whisper. It's all right, Joanna. But it wasn't all right. He was a vampire. She was a human. She couldn't allow anything more to come of their friendship. He had taken away her freedom of choice, such as it was, and she couldn't forgive him for that. And yet, she wanted to be kissed like this forever. She moaned and let him embrace her one last time, taking it for all it was. She flung her arms around his neck, holding him tightly, 
wanting to be as close to Gabriel's stone as humanly possible for this one last time. He embraced her, nearly lifting her off her feet. God, Joanna, he breathed at her ear. I am so glad you came back. Just for a book, though, she pushed away, but he didn't allow her to escape. For a book, for a minute, for anything, he framed her face in his surgeon hands. I'm glad you came. I thought you would never speak to me again. I shouldn't. She glanced up at him and instantly thought better of it. To look into his eyes was a sure way to lose control. Why do you say that? I'm not myself when I'm around you. Are you sure? He tipped her chin to force her to look at him again. Perhaps with me, you allow yourself to relax and to finally be, without thinking of anything or anyone else. No, I feel strange around you. About everything. She pulled away from his fingers. I just want this to be over. All of it. I want to go back to my normal life, my, my routine, my work. Your life will never be normal now. And who is to blame for that? She glared at him. Yes, but there is nothing to be done about it, Joanna, except cope and move forward. How? Frustrated, Joanna tried to pull away from him, but he held tightly to her elbows. I've killed a man, Gabriel. I'm no longer human. My sister's lover is to be executed tomorrow. Everything is out of control. Then choose to play to your strengths, as you have by coming here. I just want to have my old life back. That, he said softly, as his eyes filled with tenderness, we can never have. Neither you nor I, Joanna. What we have is now, this world, this life, to make of it what we can. I want to run away. And what will that solve? His question hung in the air, draped with gentle sadness. Change the world, Joanna. With me, one person at a time, one good deed at a time, vampire, human, working together as equals, all one. She raised her eyes to meet his gaze. His dark eyes had never looked so alive or so intense. His stare swirled through her like a firestorm, wreaking havoc with her good sense. She wanted to fling her arms around him again and tell him that he was right, that they could fix all that was wrong in the world, that she would fight beside him, that she intended to change the world one child at a time. But she still couldn't trust him. It was too soon. One kiss and she did not surrender so easily. That was her sister's game, not hers. The time has come to act, Joanna. I know it, and you know it. And so does Aidan Bannister. What? What does Bannister have to do with anything? He swept his thumbs along her cheekbones. That is why I'm here, for Aidan. Not for you. Gabriel's hands stilled, and his expression went blank. It was obvious that he was disappointed she'd come for reasons other than love. What are you talking about? I think I have found a way to make it look like he's dead. How? By giving him a tincture of monkshood. 
That reference book you gave me said monkshood can make a person seem dead, when in reality their heartbeat and breathing are only suppressed. Monkshood? Gabriel released her. Where in the world would you get monkshood? In the apothecary garden. He stared down at her. But I'm, I'm worried that I may concoct a solution that's too strong. He nodded and scanned her face, but she could tell that he was not seeing her. He was absorbed by his thoughts. That's why I'm here. I thought you might have a book on mixing tinctures. I do. Gabriel stepped away and looked up at a row of books on the top shelf behind Joanna. He stretched and pulled down a heavy book with a two-inch spine. He placed it on his desk. Joanna stepped close and reached for the cover, but he stopped her hand. Joanna, what you're planning to do is very dangerous. I know, but he's going to die anyway. I mean, for you. She nodded and looked down at the hand that covered hers. His fingers were long and slender. She remembered well how those hands had caressed her with infinite appreciation. She had to get her mind off his lips and hands for good. Joanna pulled away. It's something I have to do. If I can save a man's life, at what cost? What do you mean? What if you get caught? Why should I? She shrugged a shoulder. I'm just an innocent citizen, bringing a condemned criminal his last meal. What's illegal about that? Nothing. Gabriel frowned. But I still do not like it. They can't fault me for following customary procedures. But what about after, when they find him dead? Why would they blame me? Well, they might connect the death to the meal, and rightly so. Gabriel stroked his chin. You'll have to disguise the tincture. Make it look like an ordinary drink. I could do that. Something no one would want to taste. Do you have chilies in your garden? Or something rank-smelling? Horseradish? That would do. I could get the stamen of a corpse plant, too. There's one growing in the apothecary garden. In the marshy spot, down by the river. Gabriel shot her a glance. That might be poisonous. I can look it up. Gabriel studied her. You'll need help afterward, to get him out of Londo. I'll need help just getting him out of that prison. That's the part I can't figure out. Gabriel nodded. Yes, there's that. However, if it is thought that he died of a fever, they will dispose of his body quickly, no questions asked, because fevers are so deadly, which works in our favor, he straightened. When do you plan to take the meal to him? Seven o'clock. I could visit soon after, when you're gone, of course, and, and declare him dead. I can have his body wrapped and ready for burial. Where do they usually take bodies? Prisoners who die of fever are taken to the river. There's a passage from the cells to the water. They dump the body in the Thames. No more human contact to spread the disease. Eels eat the body or it gets carried out to sea. You're saying... Aiden could be thrown in the river when he's still alive? I'll insist that his body be retained until the overseers decide what they intend to do about the ceremony tomorrow. They may want proof of his death. That will give us more time to get him out of the compound. She shook her head and crossed her arms. Hmm. 
There are a lot of ifs in this plan. Yes, there are. But if all goes well, we shall meet at an assigned spot. I just hope Bannister is up to it. His condition was serious the last time I assessed him. Anything is better than being executed. True. But if your plan is successful, I'll have to tell my brother that Bannister is dead and can no longer be made an example of. Silas is going to be furious. Even I might come under suspicion. My brother is not himself at the moment. It was Joanna's turn to cover his hand with hers. But we just have to do it, Gabriel. He nodded and looked down at her. Where shall we meet, then? The apothecary garden. We can take him down the river. I'll make arrangements for a boat. The shared plan of escape made them both dream of another kind of escape, one they could make together. She could see in his eyes that he longed to throw off the shackles of Londo, just as she longed for another life. But then he blinked, and she watched him replace dream with reality, just as he had reminded her to live in the here and now, early in their conversation. Before she could say anything more, she heard a short rap on the door. Emergency! Miss Beach called out. She shoved open the door. When she caught sight of Joanna, her face went white, then red. What is she doing here? The secretary demanded, pointing at Joanna. Gabriel straightened. How dare you enter without being asked? There's an emergency at the central compound. She held out a pneumotube slip. You've been summoned. Gabriel snatched the note from her hand and opened it. Joanna watched him scan the message. He looked up, his expression grim. I must go. And so should she, Citizen Beach glared at Joanna. She has no business being here, especially at this hour. Joanna threw back her shoulders. She could tell the longer she stayed in Gabriel's office, the more dangerous it would be. Jealousy and hatred streamed from his speech in a hot torrent that Joanna could actually feel on the surface of her skin. She should never have trusted the woman, and the sooner she left, the better. I need to go anyway, Joanna said, ignoring the secretary's outburst and speaking only to Gabriel. I have a lot to do. I'll walk out with you. Gabriel picked up the book. Joanna walked past the secretary, who sneered a victory that she had not really won. Joanna kept silent until they had reached the privacy of the misty street. She turned to Gabriel. She's in love with you, you know, and it is damned inconvenient sometimes. He held out the heavy book. Good luck with this, Joanna. Be careful. And you? Is there something wrong at the central compound? It's my brother. You mentioned he was unwell. More unstable than unwell, but apparently... He collapsed a few minutes ago. Oh, no. Their gazes locked. Worry shot through Gabriel's features, and his expressive mouth twitched. She longed to kiss him. She longed to ease the concern that had doused the sparkle in his eyes lately. But there was no time. It's probably nothing. Remember, he's a vampire. She nodded, and then recalled her deal with the lady in wine-colored velvet. Do you know what's going to happen to your friend, Roman? Roman Brandt? Joanna nodded. Wasn't he arrested? How do you know about that? 
I was told by someone I met. He's to be banished to the North Sea camps. I imagine they are going to announce it tomorrow at the hanging. Hopefully there won't be a hanging. If all goes well. Joanna clutched the book to her chest. And if they let me in to give Aidan his last supper. Everything hinges on that. I wish I could go with you, Joanna, but I just can't. I know. They would suspect something if you were there. Yes, and unfortunately, my brother knows that I've been seeing you. Is that not allowed? He suspects that I harbor more depth of feeling for you than is considered proper. Joanna's heart flopped behind the reference book. She wanted to know how he felt about her, but she wouldn't ask. He would want to know the state of her emotions in return, and she didn't know how she felt about the man and all that he had done. She gazed up at him while her heart thumped with galloping emotions, but she was all too aware that they could not stand in the street talking. There was too much to do, and time was running out. I must go, she touched his hand. We're wasting precious time. Yes, human time is precious. I forget. He drew her fingers to his mouth and kissed her fingertips. Godspeed, Joanna. I will see you at the apothecary garden.